This is the Tame Aperture Podcast. Open the pod bay doors, Cal. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. Welcome to the Tame Aperture Podcast, where we talk movies from first-time directors, indie, art house, and much, much more. Today on the podcast, we talk the defining film of America's counterculture era, the 1969 film Easy Rider, directed by Dennis Hopper, starring Dennis Hopper, Peter Fonda, and Jack Nicholson. Through the open country and desert lands, two bikers head from L.A. to New Orleans, and along the way, they meet a man who bridges a counterculture gap they are unaware of. I'm Gabe Vienendahl, film instructor, filmmaker, and movie enthusiast, and I'm joined today by veteran podcaster and editor, Alan Martindale. Alan, how you doing today? Doing good, man. Good, man. It's good to have you here. Yeah, doing real good. Here we are. Dennis Uh, Hopper got me amped. He got me amped. Hey, look, uh, Dennis Hopper is... He's a national treasure. He is. He's a national treasure. Everything he's in, you can't take your eyes off him. He's fucking amazing. This is all true. I love the guy. Out of the gate. And I love that you're jumping in on Dennis Hopper already because he, he is a national treasure and RIP Dennis Hopper. But he's got so many. He, there's, a, there's a charisma to him on the screen that is very appealing. I mean, in everything he's in, even like Speed, the Texas yeah. Chainsaw Massacre Part 2. Uh, oh, that's right. He, everything uh, the follow-up to your favorite movie yeah, exactly. of all time. <laughs> which, which is so different from the, from the original. But everything he's in, is he, he just, it, he's insane. What do you think it is about him? That, what's the draw? I don't know. And I, uh, it, it's almost like he's, he's a little crazy. It's a, he's kind of got that Jack Nicholson thing a little bit. But I kind of feel like it's more genuine to who he is. And I don't know anything about Dennis Hopper. I've not listened to any interviews from him. I've never seen him, uh, any footage of him just being a normal dude, and I don't ever want to because the picture I have in my head is that he's he's a few a few bricks short of a house, and he's just like a little <laughs> he's, crazy. He's a little nuts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it makes me happy. I have a a real not kind of an interesting tie, which is cool for me personally, into Dennis Hopper, <clears throat> which is this summer, right? This last summer. I have a friend uh, who set me up with uh, one of his friends. They are restoring the 1980 film that he directed called Out of the Blue. Okay. And this was a film that when the studio signed, he had signed on, they thought that it was going to be, the concept behind it was that it was going to be almost like an after school special. Okay. You know, like those old TV movies, right, right, uh, that have that kind of good yip and yeah, the say no to drugs type thing. Exactly. Yeah, you hired Dennis Hopper to direct the film. I, that's that 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 sounds <laughs> like a gem. So what ended up happening was the reason nobody's really heard of the film, or it's never really actually had any kind of wide theatrical release, or even post home entertainment release, because the film they thought they were getting wasn't the film he delivered. <laughs> You don't say, you know, the guy who directed Easy Rider, huh? Yes. <laughs> you don't say. And he does this super, <laughs> I had this super artistic film and it's actually really beautiful and it's dark. Yeah. And he stars in it as well. And he's, he's kind of a, a runaway father who has problems with his daughter and her, his daughter starts getting into the punk culture. Cool. 
That's right up my alley. The counterculture, right? Yeah. So he's, you know, we're talking about Easy Rider today. And in one of these follow-up films that he directed, he's all, it's also a counterculture film. Cool. Right, about the, about the punk culture, punk rock. But anyway, it's this real dark film and all these kind of dark uh, topics like suicide and all these real... And it's like completely not the thing that they had signed up for. And anyway, long story short, what ended up happening was a friend of mine lined me up with uh, one of his friends. And her name's Elizabeth uh, Carr. And she lives in Los Angeles. And, and her and her husband are restoring this. They had got the rights mm-hmm. to the film called Out of the Blue. And they're doing a 4K restoration. Oh, nice. And they want to re-release it. So... <clears throat> When they started doing the re-release, they needed to do, they, they thought, in order for us to get money, we're going to do a crowdsourcing thing. Mm-hmm. People who are interested in Dennis Hopper are going to be interested in supporting this restoration. Uh, film historians, anyone who wants to preserve film right. would be interested. So they, they do a crowdsourcing uh, campaign, and they get in touch with me because I'm an editor, and they go, hey we want you to make a crowdsourcing video for us and edit this footage together from the archival footage mm-hmm. of the film and kind of put that in with our, with our word and like our, you know, our little call to action. Right. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And so then I, I said, sure, I'd love to because it was Dennis Hopper, even though it wasn't because he was already passed on, but it had to do with preserving a right. Dennis Hopper film. Right. And then they go... Oh, we found somebody else to do the video. Oh, God. <laughs> and I go, oh, okay. <laughs> Thanks. And then uh, they call me two weeks later and they go, we've launched the crowdsourcing and everything's, they wanted, they needed 50,000 mm-hmm. and they've already surpassed that. It looks like they've raised 62,000. I just pulled this up. Yep. Yep. Perfect. And so they, you know, but they go, we need, we've got interest from, um, the Venice Film Festival. Nice. To, to rescreen the picture. And we need opening credits. And we don't know how to do credits. Do you know how to do credits? <laughs> and I go, well, I mean, like rolling credits right. or title cards. Or, I mean, yes, I can do all those things, but that's a pretty heavy burden in a sh- very short compressed. For time. sure. We need it Monday. They call me oh on like a God. Thursday. Oh, my God. Wait, what? This, uh, this is like uh, every client I've this ever had, every, this whole thing. They're sweet people. <laughs> no, I, know, I, know, but, I know, but but, but <laughs> I know exactly what you're saying. It's the common thing. It, everything's yeah. high priority. Right, right. And so- We need this done. Oh, we found someone else. Oh, by the way, we have this done. It needs to be, yeah. It, yeah. Exactly. Every client I've ever had. Because in my head, I'm like, I, I don't know Elizabeth and John quite as well. Like mm-hmm. they're associates of a friend of mine. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <clears throat> Super sweet people. Really enjoyed working with them. But- it was the attachment to Dennis Hopper. Oh, in for a sure. weird way, I was like, "I'm gonna help in a in the smallest way. I'm gonna That's help cool. on a Dennis Hopper film." That's pretty cool. So I helped them put the credits together. You got the credits all done. They put the the 4K restoration together, and they did a screening in Venice a couple months ago. And now the film will be released in some capacity in the coming months. Damn, I, yeah, I, I'm gonna. I, I don't know. I would imagine it's gonna be on demand or something. Yeah, I don't know where they'll go with the distribution. Hey, but hey I'll I'll pre-order if I have to. I I, I gotta see 100%. this. hundred percent. Because it's Dennis Hopper. It's punk rock. That's my other love. Like this is right up my alley. I gotta see this. It's it brings us right into Easy Rider. What's going on? <laughs> well, it, it and it's it's very similar to. Who's that knocking at my door? 
in in certain ways where it just although this is far more entertaining uh but it it's you don't really understand i mean it's just is it a slice of life is it a comedy is it a drama i'm i'm kind of confused as to what it is and i feel like i'm missing something because i'm not from the era i think that's a i kept thinking about my parents because mm-hmm. my dad, this came in, out in 1969, so my mom and dad were like 18, 19 years old. Okay, perfect. So I similarly kept thinking, it doesn't resonate with me, right? but I know why, because it's not my era. It's not my culture. Right. You know what I mean? Right, for sure. So I was constantly battling with like how to interpret this whole thing that was going on. For sure. And I could see why, because I look back on it now and you can read different articles and do different research and you can hear about how the film, and even in the, in the, in the read that I just did for the opener, like you're talking about a film that people will talk about being, like it says, arguably the most defining counterculture film of all time mm-hmm. and really sharing an experience from the late 60s. And I think that's where it holds true. So I think you're onto something there because I think it's really about. To me, it's not. It's not a. It's not a living, breathing film. Right, right. If you look at because we're, we're 1969. What else comes out a year? What comes out a year before that? 2001: A Space oh, Odyssey. Yeah. 1968. That's a living, breathing film for sure. That you can rewatch and it's there and it has got a lifeblood to it. Mm-hmm. This film is like here's a depiction of an era and a, bu- and a and a culture and that's kind of what it felt like and that's historically. why historically i felt a little a little removed from it although there's certain aspects that i can definitely relate to um in my life but it 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 it, it almost teases you because it starts out and you see this this drug deal that they do and you see them hiding the money in a very clever way in the gas tank of their motorcycle and so i'm thinking okay this is going to be you know, this is about these clever guys, these drug dealers. This is going to be pretty sweet because I've never seen the movie. I know it's it's a classic and people love it, but I've never seen it. And then it just kind of wasn't at all about anything. And it was fun to kind of follow these guys from place to place, but I didn't quite understand what the driving force behind this. Well, we'll kind of walk through that because I think you set it up. And the opening scene, it it starts out literally with Peter Fonda and uh dennis hopper snorting coke up there yeah Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) there's just something about dennis hopper and i am probably going to beat this to death but man seeing dennis hopper just as a hippie and snorting coke and and smoking grass and just laughing and uh, it's something about him this is our introduction to these characters i I love it so the opening's pretty entertaining or at least it's pretty captive right because you're going and the character's names you have uh wyatt who is Peter Fonda and Billy. Mm-hmm. And I had done a little research. I actually watched a documentary about the film with Peter Fonda and Dennis Hopper. And their concept going into the film, which I'm not even sure that there was more than a concept. I think that's all there was. <laughs> Feels that way. But they were like, it's a Western. Okay, I can see that. That was their, what's the word? Their motif? I could, I could see that. I could see that. So you have Wyatt and Billy, right? Billy the Kid, Wyatt Earp, both infamous yep. cowboys or, 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 or from Western lore. Mm-hmm. And you have 
they're horses. It's interesting. They're that, motorcycles. That one is a is a an outlaw and one is a lawman. That's interesting. He's he is he 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 was a former lawman. Right, right. So Wyatt he's still Earp. kind of a mercenary in a way. No, yeah. He well, no, you're right. He go. I'm not going to pretend I know. Right. I only know from Tombstone. That's man. exactly it, where I was Tombstone. going. That's it. That's it. I can't pretend. I just remember. Right. All I remember. I just flashed back to Kurt Russell. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Wait, Kurt Russell was a former lawman getting away from it, and then he got the and badge he, back. Yeah, when his he brother got drawn died. into it. Yeah, just when he thought he was out, they pulled you him tell back him. In. <laughs> you tell him uh, I'm coming, and hell's coming with me. And, and from what I hear, I, uh, Tombstone is not necessarily historically. Okay, accurate. so I, that's why I had to. <laughs> right. I had to stop myself. Right. Right. It's funny when you start taking movies literally in I, that I know, sense. I know, I know. And yeah. then you realize that's probably not true probably to history. Probably not what happened. I'm yeah. sure they've dramatized it. Yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> but nonetheless, that's you're, you're right. There is kind of a contrast there because one's Billy the Kid, who's definitely a fugitive or a fugitive of the law, murderer, and then Wyatt Earp, who was a lawman. So. Yep. But these are the two characters, and they're right out the gate. They're in Mexico, right? They're in Mexico, yep. and they're, they're getting coke. Uh, they're uh do they sell it there i think they sell it there they if sold I it you're right because right. they sell it first they they test it with them no yeah they do they test they that's do. what we're talking about he, he tests it and, right. and dennis hopper's got oh god a smudge he's, just, he's got it in his mustache and powder on and, his nose and on his nose and i just loved every second of that i just every every time he's on screen we man, probably will this movie revert yeah that's what i was going to say we probably will revert to this a lot because we all we have to do when we get confused about where the conversation's going is just say dennis, <laughs> dennis hopper. hopper and dennis then we're hopper. like oh okay. my god <clears throat> so so they do a drug deal and then they and and they're a bunch of bikers too mm-hmm. right so they have these real um these california chopper type bikes that are by the way, those have to be the worst bikes to ride across the country on. Real, I don't know anything about motorcycles. <laughs> not one thing. I don't. I'm not a motorcyclist. I'm not a biker. Mm-hmm. But looking at those like chopper bikes where your arms are up real high. <laughs> right, right. And you're laid back here. You're going to drive from California to New Orleans on that? I don't think that? so, yeah. That sounds like a nightmare. Yeah. But <clears throat> logistics aside. So they they do the deal and then they hide this cocaine in the tank of one of the motorcycles in a little super clever uh, like a liquid proof tubing. Yeah, yeah. And they cork um, it up and throw it in the uh, in the gas tank. That's their their finances or their money, mm-hmm. right? Um, but from that, so in the, in the beginning, we're going like you mentioned. Like I'm going, oh, this is interesting, right? My two guys are getting high right off the right off right, the gate. Right, they're in Mexico and they're gonna go drive somewhere on these bikes. It's gonna start getting interesting. Right, it's gonna be some kind of shootout west. I don't know what's gonna happen, but it's but gonna be. But that's what fun. you think is gonna happen. Yeah, exactly. Especially since I know it's a super popular movie. It's an iconic movie. I've just never happened to see it, so I'm thinking, yes, something's gonna happen. This is gonna be fun. Yep, <laughs> the excitement level's pretty good, and then it just kind of. It just kind of curtails and it just kind of starts going this way and that way and back. And you're like, wait, what's happening? And so as they're driving to their final destination through the Southwest, parts of California, New Mexico, Texas, all these areas, they're working their way to New Orleans. But it's just a bunch of kind of montage of them driving and showing the landscape around them. Yep. Um, And so when I was... 
I watched it again because I was trying to figure out where am I going to take this podcast? Right. <laughs> and, I, and I remembered in my notes, I thought after I had watched it once and I was kind of doing this, the watch again, the rewatch. And I thought, well, I, I, I forgot what I did. I, there's a prerequisite to this. I forgot my dube. And I didn't yeah, get yeah. high. You have to like, I think in order That's to- a good point. You, it's a prerequisite to the film. I think so. I if think you so. wanted to watch the movie, you should probably get high. You probably should. No? I think so. Like literally a requirement on the disclaimer should say, in order to watch <laughs> Easy Rider, get, get high. Hit the bong before, you, before exactly. you turn this movie on. No, I agree. Because it, it just, it feels like something's missing. Like, like I don't, I don't get it. I just didn't get it the whole time. And I understand you're kind of following these guys, and that's kind of the story. The story is there is no story. And it's more about, you know, the, the people that they're meeting along the way and the different environments that they're in. And I like that contrast because they're at a commune, and then they're in some some town that's very racist and very, you know, conservative and doesn't like their long hair. And, and I, I kind of like seeing those little different pieces but there's not much more to it than that, unless and, you're high. Unless you're high, and then you might start going, "What's going on, man?" Right, right, right. right. <laughs> I'm feeling it. Yeah. And then you just say Dennis Hopper. Dennis Hopper. <laughs> That's all you need. Well, and I, I'm not. I'm not joking, and I'm not being hyperbolic. He really carried this movie, and I'm not saying his direction either. It's no, his direction. There was none. There was no direction at all. No offense. We just got done talking about other films he did. Well, here. Rightfully so, by the way, Dennis Hopper, this is, this is true to life. We talked about Out of the Blue, that film mm-hmm. that he made in 1980. But, but true to life, he actually made another film after Easy Rider called uh, the, the Last, Last Movie. Movie. And for a decade, that was the last, he got blackballed as a director. Yeah, because it was it was, failure, it was a right? shit. Yeah, yeah. So until Out of the Blue, like uh, the last movie is 1971, and then he didn't make another movie until Out of the Blue. And then he made Out of the Blue, and everyone was like, that was not the after-school special we signed up for. Right. And then he didn't make another movie for eight years. And then he made Colors. Have you seen Colors? I haven't, no. That's a really good movie. Okay. It has Sean Penn, and it has Robert Duvall. And it's about the L.A. gang scene in the late 80s, mid 80s, okay. uh, Crips and Bloods. Really well done. It's a cool movie. I have no idea culturally because I didn't grow up in that right, thing. Right. But like, I thought it was really well done. So, but he has these spans where he just doesn't make movies. And so after Easy Rider, everyone thought, this guy's got it. Because you got to remember, they. <laughs> <laughs> this, is what, this is where we're trying to dissect because... <clears throat> One of the things uh, when I was doing the research and, and watching some of the stuff and listening to some stuff mm-hmm. from Dennis Hopper and Peter Fonda, and they were talking about Peter Fonda was like, I'm, what do I got to do to make my next biker movie? Right. That's all it was. It was right. like, what do I got to do for my next biker movie? And so he said he called up Dennis at like 4.30 in the morning and was like, I, I have an idea and this was it. And they wrote some kind of treatment for it. And... There was never a, from what I could gather, there was never a full-blown script. <laughs> you don't say. Exactly. <laughs> you don't say. And so, but this is what's funny, because you got to remember, this is what's funny, is that it, 
and we'll get to it and I think we'll we'll break it down as to why we feel like there's no real mm-hmm. what's going on. But there's not a whole lot of story going on and it it gets nominated. That's the thing I don't understand. For Academy Award for best original screenplay. The only thing I can think of best no. original screenplay? Yes. <laughs> oh my god. I, I the only thing I can think of is I'm I'm trying to put myself in the position of someone who might be a younger person in this era. You got a lot of Vietnam War fatigue going on. A lot of people very disillusioned with the government. A lot of people feel like they don't fit in in, in society. Um, those are all things I can kind of relate to and I can kind of understand. And then someone makes this movie, and it's not necessarily about anything, but these characters are people that you identify with. And they are kind of idealizing idolizing um, this lifestyle of just being free, being on a bike and going. And that takes us to – no, I agree. I think that's that's what it is. And ultimately, you have one of the shots there in the beginning when they're ready to go on the trip mm-hmm. is he throws his watch on the ground and, right. run and revs off. Right. It's like time doesn't matter – what the con- the construction of society in terms of how we build around mm-hmm. time and like none of that is going to matter as we move forward right in this story well and that was a weird the editing in that was the w- editing in this in this movie the editing in general strange. is so the other funny th- this documentary was great i think i loved it once even dennis hopper just doing an interview was like yes <laughs> i love that man i loved it and uh I wish he was still around he goes he goes, they, he, so get this, in the editing, this movie on the original cut was like four and a half hours long. Oh my long. God, can you imagine? Can you imagine? And they're like, we gotta, we gotta, <laughs> <laughs> and apparently he was like, he was like pissed. He's like, no, we're not cutting it down. Of course, of course, because he's the director. We're not cutting that down. Yeah, yeah. He was like, no, no, absolutely not. Just real, just just crazy little things like that. But that scene, they essentially time is not of the essence. There's right. no r- relationship to time, so we'll get rid of the watch. Right, right. Um, well, and I, I like that, and it does kind of set up the entire movie. <laughs> and um, again, you, you put yourself in, in that position. You're a young person. Um, you feel like the the system, and I hate to use these cliches, but the, for a lack of a better word, the man. You know, they don't understand you. They're not taking you seriously. They're not taking your consider- you into consideration. And the old guard is not progressing in your eyes. I can understand how they can relate to a movie that's about being free with some uh, unsavory characters as being the protagonist. I-, I can understand the relation. But to give it best screenplay, there's when there's no screenplay, I mean, there's nothing going on here. I'm trying to figure out what I think we've kind of said this and we'll kind of probably reiterate it a couple of times, but it's a movie about the late sixties. Yeah. I think you mentioned it's, and like we said, it's not a living film. It's not something you would watch repeatedly and be like, Oh, trying to decipher and break down Mm -hmm. the story. It's just like, uh, here's an impression. Right. Uh, so I don't understand the best screenplay either. Matter of fact, Alan, it got so <clears throat> interesting that the other thing is uh, Peter Fonda on this screenplay, and we're talking about this screenplay, like Peter Fonda and Dennis Hopper both 
were credited as writers. I saw that. I saw that. And then there was also another uh, writer, and I forget his name. I think it was Terry Southern. Yeah. And he, later on in an interview, Dennis Hopper says, Terry Southern, quote, by the way, Terry Southern didn't write a fucking thing. (laughs) He came up with the fucking title. Unquote. Smart. Smart. Get those royalties. Smart man. So, like, he got their credit, too, but, like, Dennis Hopper came out later and, like, threw him out of the Oh, God. Ah, just also, national but, treasure. The producer, uh, because you, you had Peter Fonda, who's a notable actor, mm-hmm. or at least, and also comes from Hollywood royalty and from the side of acting, yeah. right? Henry Fonda is his father. And, um, and Dennis Hopper are both relatively known as actors mm-hmm. in, in, a, in a broader scale. And so diving into this being Dennis Hopper's first directorial debut, uh, Peter Fonda says, I want to produce it. Dennis, I want you to direct it. And they went to the studios and not anyone was biting. And I believe it was Columbia ultimately said, okay, where's the script? And they go, well, we got this treatment. <laughs> and because you have a name for yourself, people start to believe in what you yeah, can do. Yeah, they trust you a little mm-hmm. bit more. They got that track record, even if not as directors or, or, or producers, but necessarily, but as actors that carried enough weight. Mm-hmm. He goes, uh, what I'll do is give you $30,000, the executive, to go film, <laughs> to go film a uh, a, a piece because they talked about how there was a scene in Mardi Gras at Mardi Gras. Right, right. So I'll give you some money to go film that uh, a little expose of Mardi Gras to see if there's something there that we can build around and grow the story on, and that's what they did. So <laughs> later on in the film, right, we'll get there. But later on, <laughs> right. There's like a montage of Mardi Gras. Uh, and that, that felt a lot like Play Misty for me when they're at the jazz festival and nothing's <laughs> happening and there's no reason whatsoever other than maybe Clint Eastwood wanted to go to a jazz festival and film. This was the pitch. Well, we know the movie got made, <laughs> so the Mardi Gras doesn't... footage worked out. Yeah, it did. Well, and it looked notably different from the rest of the movie, Notably too. different because they shot on a little – because that was the thing. They're like – Dennis Hopper said, I got, I'm calling all his buddies to get a little 16-millimeter right. Paraflex camera right. and go shoot. You know what I mean? Right, right. And, and, and the cam op that he chose, they just chose buddies, friends, that yeah. weren't even like, you want to be a gaffer? Sure, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they just went down and shot this thing. And apparently the whole, uh, there was a brawl between Dennis Hopper and the cam op. There was a fight. Oh, my God. Like a physical oh alter, like a real fight. God. And then they broke through Peter Fonda's hotel door. This is fighting. amazing. They were, this is amazing. They were fighting. And then after they got off each other, Dennis Hopper stood up and looked at the cam up and went, <laughs> I fucking love you. <laughs> oh, my God. Dennis Hopper. I swear every time we could just de- I, 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 I got to know more Dennis Hopper stories. I was hoping not to know more about him because I thought he would become a normal person. But the more I'm learning about him. He's the greatest. He's insane. He's insane. I love this man. We need more Dennis Hopper. We really do. To kind of keep charisma and livelihood in the we world. We really do. And and not only was he is, is he just hilarious. He was really good in this movie. He is really good. Uh, Peter, I don't, I think Peter Fonda was like a robot. He didn't, I, I. Didn't really buy his performance at all. He was was just kind of there. He looked like he was stoned the whole time. Dennis Hopper was really trying, especially when you see him in in later roles. The whole hippie thing. I mean, he sounded like Tommy Chong. He sounded like a giddy, happy Tommy Chong 
And uh, it just his mannerisms were so believable that if I had not seen him in other things, I would have thought that's how he is. Right. Well, and you have to remember, like, what's funny about the film is that it's this journey, this road trip, essentially, with two guys who are high the whole time yeah. and hitting LSD, picking up hippie, uh, uh, what are they called? Um, what are the people? Hitchhikers. Thank you. Yeah. Hick- picking up hippie hitchhikers, going to hippie com- communes. Yep. Uh, you know, just getting like thrown in jail, getting thrown in jail yeah. for not having a permit for riding their motorcycles down the parade, parading without a permit. You know, like just like <laughs> <laughs> it's just so funny. It's so funny parading it's, without a permit. It's fun. This is what I mean. I think if if me and you and a group of people you got high and then watched it, right? Right. We would be laughing it, like we, we are now. Would. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like. Because now I'm reflecting on it going, like, parading down without a permit. Right. That's hilarious. Well, and that's why I didn't understand if it's a comedy. Because I, I, I found, especially towards the beginning, I thought it was hilarious. And when Jack Nicholson gets in there, oh, my God. I thought it was a straight-up comedy. And then it his, just... His it, shit, by the way. He's so... Oh. He's brilliant. He's so good. He's brilliant. It's a nut, like You get Dennis Hopper and Jack Nicholson in a movie. Oh, my and God. I didn't think we would start getting this excited about Easy Rider. I know. I was like, what are we going to talk about? This movie is kind of... Dennis Hopper just tricked us. He did. Oh, man. He pulled the switcheroo. He knows what he's doing. Damn it. He knows what he's doing. Because Jack Nicholson's great. Oh, he's fantastic in this. And and you see him just kind of... He's got the crazy, but he's just... There's something... When he pulls out that Michigan football helmet. Oh, my God. Oh my God! I just about died. He's like, "Have I got a helmet? Have I got?" So there, <laughs> we we should probably digress because yeah, this is yeah. uh, we should at least do a little uh, a little path journey okay. down the storyline because we're gonna get there because because that's funny when we get to him, but but I gotta say like once they hit the road, so they've done the deal and their whole. It, what I actually do like about it once they throw the watch away and time is no longer uh, an issue, it doesn't matter. The real world's left behind. Right, they're high the whole time. Yeah, and literally are. Yep, they're making this movie and they're smoking and for sure doing whatever. It, it, that they start going down. They run into the real thing is like they start driving and they get into a ranch somewhere in Colorado, and they run into this old rancher because uh, Peter Fonda's motorcycle tire is flat Mm -hmm. so they want to change the tire and they just randomly show up at some big ranch and ask the guy hey we can you help us change this tire and he's like yeah Yeah. he's just like go change it yeah and then they like they sit down to dinner with them well i'm thinking something's gonna happen there's gonna be an inciting incident somewhere here and every time they stop somewhere i kept thinking that yeah something's gonna happen and really it's like them talking to this guy and he's not but there is some innuendo there, or I should say some subtext, which is like this this rancher is also not big corp, big. Right. He's counter in, the, in a different way. Do you know what I mean? He lives off the land. He does his own thing. He's not, in quote unquote, on the grid. Right. Right. And that's kind of why they get along with them, I think. Yeah. They, they even says that. Peter Fonda character is like, you know, you really got something. Here. Yeah. They see eye to eye. They understand what they what they they have the same idea of what freedom is. Right. We're not answering to anybody. And this guy's older too. It's not, right. he's not of the same generation. And I think it's a cool, you know, not to overanalyze it in a sense, but I think it's a cool thing to kind of show that 
they share, like you just mentioned, they share some kind of uh, relatability, mm-hmm. even though they're not in the same wheelhouse right. culturally. Right, right. You know? Um, and so they, but it's really just kind of a, it's just there. Yeah. Like it doesn't, it's, there's no. It happens. It happens. <laughs> exactly. I think that's a good way to take, to tackle a lot of these scenes, yeah. which is like, it happens. It happens. You yep, know, that's, it happened. They were there. They were on the ranch. Yep. They changed their flat tire. Yep. And they enjoyed being on the ranch. <laughs> they, they ate some dinner. They ate some dinner with yep. a guy who took out his dentures. Yeah. Yeah. Did you notice that? I didn't know. He take he literally, if you watch it again, which I know you won't unless you go no, get some probably weed. Not. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I might have to get some stronger might stuff for that. Some I might strong, get some mushrooms or some shrooms or something. Because, well, we'll get to the LSD. Right. Right. Oh God. Because <laughs> because we're just at weed now, but but we'll get to the LSD once the hippies come along. Yeah. But he anyway he he, he takes out his dentures. It's a real funny scene he, before he eats. The old man takes his dentures out. It's really weird. I don't know why it's so weird. Just random things happen. It's just a strange, strange movie. They leave the ranch. They get on the road again. It's these, and you know, some of the cinematography is actually really beautiful. It is. You know, like the landscape shot. Some of it's really shot really well. And mm-hmm. if, especially when you take it back to being, you know, 50 years old. Right. Like uh, we're so much now today, like so spoiled with style and do you know what I mean? Like, yeah over stylized looks <clears throat> but i think just uh naturally some of those landscape shots of the cinematography sure. is really beautiful for sure they get back on the road and then they run into the hippie hitchhiker and they pick him up Th- that i do love about uh uh the the um the culture and the era which is like it's very it, you can't do that nowadays mm-hmm. it's not something that you would condone or encourage right um, there is something kind of cool about the era where people can just kind of be people and you want to help them. And you're like, yeah, sure. Where are you going? It's the kindness of strangers. <clears throat> people t- you know, take care of themselves. And especially when you see, kind of see eye to eye. Um, and, but then, you know, later on, we'll see just how dark it can be with people who don't and see eye to eye. That's what, so he is saying stuff, right? You know what I mean? And right. when, and it's hard to kind of extrapolate that, but now when we start to talk about it, you, Hopper's onto something about the 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 contrast of positioning between how people think and 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 what is ignorance and kind of the unacceptance right. of how people are versus the culture of like we accept you for who you are and we'll move on. Right. Um, but they they pick up the stranger on the highway, this hitchhiker, who's a hippie. They just start. He just is now part of the team. Yeah. He just he's part of the crew we're going where are we and they don't even they're not like well we're kind of going this way they're right. like where are you going right and he's like well i'm going over here we're almost there yeah and like a day passes by he's like when are we gonna get we're there? gonna he's get like, there we're almost there we're, we're getting closer <laughs> yeah yeah and they're just like perfectly content yeah, to fine. go about to go about and, it and i loved the uh the little bit of antagonist uh relationship between him and dennis hopper and i can't remember dennis hopper's character's name i can't is he billy or why he's billy he's billy yeah I, I kind of like that. They kind of jabbing at each other a little bit, and that again, I'm thinking, oh shit's gonna go down. Some he's gonna piss him off. Something's gonna happen, and then it doesn't happen. And then and, they get to the commune. I'm like, oh, something's gonna go wrong but, here. But, but jump back to that with the stranger on the highway and that little bit of silly, yeah, rivalry between Billy and the stranger on the highway. They go to a 
by the way, so everybody can understand the context, everywhere they go, they're literally living off the side of the highway on yeah, at some part with a fo- campfire. Yep. And before they get to the hippie commune, they they're it's the three of them. They go to some kind of Indian burial ground almost. It's yeah. like a real sacred area. And there's this which which by the way, they're high as fuck. Yeah. And in the documentary, Peter Fonda admits to like, I don't even know what's going on. Right, I bet. He's like, I had no idea. Right. I forgot that there was a camera in front of me. <laughs> Well, and you can see it too, because he's just—he's he, like the he, smoke in my eyes, and he's like, yeah, he's he like non-existent gla- in this he movie. Takes his glasses off. It's—he's like that's just me. He even says it in this doc I watched. He's like, that's just me being me. That's not me being the character. Right. Well, and you, that's kind of how I felt the entire time. He's just there. He's no, a protagonist, yeah. but he's not really. He's just there. He's just existing in this, and Dennis Hopper sitting there giggling. And hipping it up and just being hilarious the whole time. Except for a little bit of that combative nature right, with right. this. And they're around the fire. It's nighttime. And uh, uh, the uh, they're high for real. <laughs> and they go, where? they're asking the hippie hitchhiker, where are you from? It's hard to say. <laughs> <laughs> and this is all ad-libbed. This oh, it is, was? Okay. Yeah, this okay. isn't. Like, they just were like, what do we say here? <laughs> Because they're high. Oh, my God. They're literally high. Oh, that is so funny. And he goes. What do we say here? <laughs> he goes, because you just, he goes, where are you from? Yeah. Well, it's hard to say. And then you, you see, you hear Dennis Hopper in the back <laughs> goes, what do you mean it's hard to say? <laughs> and he goes, it's hard to pronounce. It's, it's a long word. <laughs> it's a long city name. Oh, my God. Like, and you hear Dennis Hopper chuckle for real. He's oh. like, what do you mean? Where are you from? I'm just trying to ask where you're from. Oh my God, he's just so great. It's a long word. Do you ever wish you could be someone else? And he's like, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, Porky Pig. Porky Pig. <laughs> I don't, what? Why would you want to be Porky Pig? Well, the whole time, I mean, it helps to know. And I guess I could probably could have figured out that they're really high doing this, but it helps to know that for sure. Because the whole time I'm like, so what is the meaning behind this? Like, what are they trying There's to no say? <laughs> There's, no, There's meaning. no meaning. There's no meaning. They are just it high as shit. It has zero meaning. Oh, my God. That's but amazing. the scene is actually when you know about that context, you watch it and you're like, it's pretty funny. Yeah, it is. I was confused, though, because until I, I didn't watch the documentary till after. And so when he's like, where are you from? He's like, it's hard to say. I'm like, what? <laughs> That's why when Dennis Hopper responds with, what are you, what are you talking about? I'm like, that's exactly what I was thinking. Like, what the fuck are you mean? It's hard to say. You know what? You know, Dennis Hopper is a badass because he can get high, but he, he can stay in it. He was stealing character the whole time. He doesn't leave. It's insane. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's, he's, he's a, he's a, he's an old cowboy. Yeah, he really is. He really is. The the dude's legit. And his wardrobe is a bit is a bit old school that's hilarious it's great love it with the hat the hat's fantastic so anyway this scene transpires of nothingness i don't know (laughs) they end up at the hippie commune they get there and the hitchhikers walking around and immediately it's this weird setting of like there's women coming up to him and Mm -hmm. he's like hugging him he's very lovely loving loving towards them and and it's just like they go into this weird 
uh, like facility hut, hut thing. I don't know. And the chick's trying to get the goat to stop eating something. It feels very... You know what I kept thinking of? Did you ever see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? No, I haven't seen that The new Tarantino film? I kept thinking of the Manson compound. Okay. Yeah, sure. There was, you know, well, that's what it felt like. That's what it felt like. And, and I, I just know from watching docs and watching, right. but it felt like that it's a con. Hey. And when did, when did uh, the whole Manson thing go down? Because that's late 60s. It it's, was. It's the same time. And that, but I, I had that kind of in the back of my head thinking, well, maybe this is going to get real dark like a Manson type thing. That's what I thought, too, because when you get there, I mean, it's very hippie. It's very cult because nowadays, when you when when you watch movies, or when something is set in that kind of environment, it it usually is dark. But back yeah. then, I guess a movie about the '60s, this was more normal. I'm not going to say it's, it was normal, but it was more normal. Oh, it was normal, and it wasn't automatically. You didn't have that idea like, oh, Manson, you know, because this was the '60s. This is yeah. how people lived. Yeah, <clears throat> but I agree with you. I kind of thought this is going to get twisted and dark yeah. and. You know, it's 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 interesting because in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, there's a scene where Brad Pitt's character goes to the Manson compound, mm-hmm. and it's 20 minutes long, and it's just like him arriving there, walking through the compound. It's super. Excuse me, sorry. That uh, carbonated. <laughs> It'll do it to you. He's walking through the compound. It's super slow paced, you know. What's happening? What you're starting to go? Something bad's gonna happen. Right. right. Something bad's gonna happen, and nothing happens. And you're like, Tarantino just pulled the tricked one, like yeah. pulled one over on me. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And similarly, like that's what I felt here is like something bad's something, gonna go down. Right. Right. Especially because because <clears throat> Dennis Hopper's kind of screwing around with that one girl, and you can't tell if she likes him or not. And I was like, dude, he's gonna piss off the hippie's girlfriend, and then. They're going to have to bail. They're going to have to run from these guys. I don't know what he's doing. He's kind of flirting, but also <laughs> like then he's playing uh, rob, uh, robbers yeah, with, yeah. with uh, the kids right. that are on the compound. Right. Like playing. It's just like. What is I, I didn't. I, I mean, I, I just don't understand it. I don't understand any of it. He, They get there. Uh, nothing but nothing. To, to basically push it forward like nothing happens. Just like the rest of the movie. Except for towards the end, two of the women ask the, uh, Hopper and mm-hmm. Fonda, can you give us a ride to the end of the canyon? Right. And then it cuts to a two-minute nude scene in a hot springs. Yep. yep. <laughs> With another song montage. Another song yeah. montage. And that's, once again, an indication of no script. <laughs> It's trying just, to fill time. It's just it's not even filling time. It's just like what can we do to four get... hours, huh? The original cut. Four hours. How <laughs> long would <laughs> I can't even how imagine. long was that hot springs? And, yeah. And this made the cut, huh? This made the cut. <laughs> this made the cut. Just the four naked people in a yep. pool. Yep. Splashing each other and just... well, I don't and then all of a sudden it's just an abrupt cut. They're back on the road. Yeah, back on the road. But but that's the thing about it is it's it's kind of just that slice of life like it actually is relatable not <laughs> not for naked people in a hot spring right, right but like the idea that an event happens in life right yep and, you and move then on. it's over yeah and then well, i'll and then it's like the next you know so he is i think dennis hopper is a smart guy i don't think he's an idiot i don't sure. think he you know what i mean yeah. i don't think he's just like mm. i think 
this film, although even with all the silliness of it and like, like there's a true nature to what it is that's unfamiliar to us because we anticipate the dark side. Right. We've kind of been built into a form of thinking that this is, oh, this is going to lead to this. And, and in, in, in contrast to look who's knocking at my door, which has no plot. Right. This also really has no extravagant plot to it, but it's still more interesting to watch. And the way he executes it is very existentialist, but also just kind of like, it's done. We're moving on. That slice of life thing. And it still kind of works in a way. Oh, for sure. And and this might be a good time to bring up the editing because it it did have that weird, like, blink. I don't know what to call it. Like, the blinking cut, the flash cut. Yeah. Uh, going from the hot spring back to the road. And I don't understand. And that's a very famous technique from this movie. And I still don't understand what the point of it is. There, There's, it's a, <clears throat> later on, it's a flash forward. Right. Because you see the demise at the end before it happens. Right, true. But stylistically on this couple viewings, I'm not sure what it did. To kind of push the narrative. I mean, they put it up there with that, um, you know, some of the famous match cuts out there. Uh, Lawrence of Arabia. Yeah, with and, the match. And uh, I've heard people put it up there with 2001, the match cut. And I just, to me, I just don't. Those, I get those. But this, I don't understand the technique. I don't understand why they're doing it. it was it an avant-garde thing? I don't, I don't quite understand the purpose behind it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. And, and, and if you think about, you know, how things come to an abrupt end, like an event happens, like you're at the pool, then you're not. You're on the road. Right. This is like life. Right. And maybe it has to do something with that, which is like sometimes then we're back on the road, but we have a quick flashback to a memory sure. of something else. You know, it, it could be that could be. I mean, it could be a stretch. It could be a stretch, mm-hmm. but like maybe there's something. There. Right. I also think if they're in the editing room. Hopper's just high and he's like, <laughs> you know, it'd be cool, man. You, you know, it'd be cool. cool. Let's, let's be try cool. this out. Let's try Let's this be out. Cool, man. Cause he only does it like twice. I think. Yeah. It does it twice. And then once at the end, yeah, I think it's right. a total of three times across right. the board, <clears throat> but the hippie commune is there. I, it, you know, it's, it's a piece of the era. Mm-hmm. It's like, here's what the late sixties yep. was, you know, counterculture. This is what it is. It's the slice of life. They get back on the road <clears throat> They start just another, we get another kind of musical montage. It's kind of interesting, though, because the music selections are from different eras. You have older music. That, oh, interesting. That feels like it's from like the 50s, like older. And then you mm-hmm. have the more, there's like some real popular stuff in right. there, too. Steppenwolf, mm-hmm. Jimi Hendrix. I love that Hendrix song, too. I don't it's know what that song. is. I never actually, I'm not a big Jimi Hendrix uh uh, aficionado, but that song I've never heard it before was great. It's a great song. I, I'm I'm a fan of Hendrix. I'm also I like I like Born to Be Wild. It's a good yeah. it's a good yeah. song. It's a very widely known song. I don't know how I'm sure it was big back then too mm-hmm. when it first came out. Sometimes songs aren't big and then they kind of pop later. Right. But it's kind of an interesting thing, and I think that what I had read on there with the soundtrack because you also have no musical score. You have, and uh, what I mean by that is like a, a composed score. Right, right. It's all just uh, rock and roll, um, 
music mm-hmm. right thrown in so it's all non-diegetic stuff it's it's just like there it's not it's it's, it's not playing as it's part of the film but it's just kind of songs overlaid yep. montage and it's kind of it's kind of interesting uh that i i read somewhere that the film cost or the film budget was like 360 to 400 thousand dollars and then later in post, they had spent almost a million dollars on just the rights to the to songs. the rights to the yep. music, yep. which makes sense because they ended up getting, of course, Jimmy and Steppenwolf, and then also there's some other bigger names in there too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Bob Dylan even, uh, or at least a cover from one of Dylan's yeah. songs. Yeah, oh, Dylan was in there for sure. I yeah. thought so. Yeah. So, so but anyway, you spent you spent a million dollars on music. <clears throat> That's just Hopper going. I like this song. Yeah. <laughs> Anytime we don't understand anything, it's just it's Dennis Hopper. We'll just chalk. We'll just Dennis throw it at, at Dennis Hopper. <clears throat> um, but they get back on the road. They get down to kind of the Texas area, and this is where they do. Uh, it cuts and they're just like randomly. It's a it's an old little or not old. It's a small town Texas mm-hmm. parade. Like they're the girls are throwing the batons yeah. and there's little <clears throat> and then all of a sudden it cuts and <laughs> there's these two bikers just rocking down the middle like grooving down yeah, on their yeah. bikes and you're like they just made their i actually thought that makes sense they got a bike it's a cool bike people right. would be like that right. makes sense and then it cuts to them in jail yelling at the officer so great it's so great and they got put in jail for the the parading without a right, permit right which is hilarious well, it took me a second to figure it out that they just kind of cut into the parade. Like, it almost felt like they had set it up. And I was like, are they throwing the, everyone in the parade in jail? But then, then it took me a minute to realize, no, they just they just jumped just in on two. it. Yeah, they just jumped in on it. But but also, once again, you could you could take it this way, and, and they're throwing them in jail because they're unfamiliar. Exactly. They're people that, that could seem almost a little scary to a small town in Texas. Exactly. <clears throat> so it's... <clears throat> sorry. It's almost like they're more. There's a threat there, in, right? In a, in a way, right? They're they're uncertain about these guys. Well, now you're starting to see them kind of get out of their comfort zone and get out of more importantly everyone else's comfort zone, mm-hmm. and they're getting into the area of the country where they don't like people who are different. It's kind of a slow build that way because they kind of start in California, mm-hmm. they move into like Colorado and New Mexico or wherever it is, <clears throat> and the ranchers super he's he's open right. and, and free. And then it moves into this Texas town. And now they're thrown into jail. Right. So you're like, okay, it, it is interesting because when we get to the the climax or the ending, I should say, it it has casually grown. Right. In in their the 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 what's the word? The animosity. The animosity, and the distrust in in who these guys are. The ignorance. Yeah, definitely. Um. <clears throat> But this is a great scene because this is where we we uh, meet a drunken lawyer. Oh, love this, uh, played by <laughs> by Jack Nicholson, um, and it's just fantastic. Oh my God, He's, and I don't quite understand his character all the way. Like I don't quite get. First of all, while while everyone, all the cops are bending over backwards to make him happy while he's in jail. Um, He's got it. He's kind of the local guy that's got some kind of pull. I mean, he's a lawyer. I think his dad, like, and this is the other thing. I'm not so sure he's really a lawyer. Could, I, yeah. I'm, I think his dad's probably the lawyer. Probably. Because it sounds like he lives at home. <laughs> <laughs> 
He's 40. Because his mom he fished his, his helmet out of the uh, the garbage form and put it on his bed. So <laughs> I, it sounds to me like he lives at home. He he doesn't want to tell us. He's got money. He's getting from his, his parents. Mm-hmm. And he's bribing the, the cops to keep it quiet. Don't tell my dad. I don't think he needs to know about this. And he promises uh, Billy and Wyatt that he can get him out. Right. No, no strings attached. Right. I got you guys. So I, I'm thinking his dad is probably uh, an important person. Yeah, he's a figure in the town or right, something. Right, right. But he, what he ends up, we know, we immediately he's this, him and Hopper have a little confrontation. <laughs> yeah, Hopper's screaming at him. Hopper's yelling at him. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Getting kind of upset. And then you... You realize who Nicholson's character is, which is kind of a... He's really kind of funny and lighthearted. It's yeah. not like he's serious. And then all of a sudden, they start to to get along. Right, right. And they get out of the jail. And then before you know it, they're, they're like... He, his his past to, to getting... To continuing on in the story and continuing on with, 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 with uh, Peter Fonda and Dennis Hopper to New Orleans is he has the in for a brothel in New Orleans. Oh, that's right. That's right. right. And so he's like, right. I, I never crossed the state line yet. I haven't been to Louisiana, but I got this from a friend, and he's pulling out this place that he's going to go right. with this brothel. Right. And he's like, man, I sure wish I could go with you guys. And like, and, well, you got a helmet? Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like that. And then it cuts to this great shot of them driving oh, down God. on the freeway, and he's got this, it's a football helmet. It's an old-timey, like, it, I swear from the 40s. Like, it's not like a football helmet like you would notice nowadays in the NFL. It's almost like a leatherhead. Yeah, it's it's a leatherhead. It is. Yeah. But it's not. It's it's like it's almost like there was a transition between the leatherhead and the. Or like it's almost like a modified leatherhead. Right, right. <laughs> it's got right. like a golden. It's just hilarious. And it just looks like he should be on a short bus somewhere. It's hilarious. <laughs> he's just riding and just having a. He's got that big ass smile on his face and just having a good old time. And. He's doing what everyone wants to do, which is have that freedom. Yeah. He wants to just leave. And that's why I also don't think he was a lawyer, because if he was a lawyer, he couldn't just up and go. Right. Especially, he says he works for the ACLU. He's not just up and leaving. You know, like he's, <laughs> and for him to do that, he's he's got to have some freedom there. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, just the hilarious, he, he's riding on the back of Peter Fonda's bike. And it's just like. Jack Nicholson, A, a dude riding on Another man's back of another man's bike. It's just funny. It's hilarious. They pull up to this cafe, and it's funny because you had mentioned this before, but it is true now that I see it. When they get to the cafe, there's a bit of a confrontation. It's subtle, mm-hmm. not on their end, but on the end of the other patrons inside right. the cafe. And is and basically they're kind of calling them names mm-hmm. and kind of pushing them away, and they're like, hey, you know, this is not a place for you to be, and there's animosity there immediately because sure. uh, they look different and they sound different, and they're hippies, and they're not supposed to be in this quote unquote conservative area, right? Uh, with rednecks, really. And this is kind of the the point where I, I kind of felt for them a little bit. This is pretty yeah. much the first time where I really felt for them, other than just thinking that Dennis Hopper's hilarious. I actually kind of, uh, I, I I was I wanted them to hurry and get out of there so they didn't get roughed up. I think they did structure that really well. They did. There was some tension in some there. Some tension and some sympathy. And how they also helped develop it is that they have a group of young girls in there yep. that, who are fawning over these guys because they're looking different and they're cute and all these kind of things. They're the bad boys. They're the bad. They're the new guys in town. Yep. They, Like I said, they, they have a different vibe to them stylistically. They don't look like, you know, the old farm, whatever it is. Right. I call them rednecks, but uh, the... 
the old timers or the guys that are in the cafe don't like that. That right. that ups the ante even more. And finally, Peter Fonda's character is like, "Hey, let's let's get out of here." Right, right. You know, well, especially because there's a cop in there, and he's talking about, you know, I don't know what we should do, but you know, they're not they're not leaving here. He said something along those lines. Like, yeah, they're not, they're not getting out of here. It's pretty threatening. It is. It's pretty threatening, and um, they end up leaving. Right. They end up getting out, and the girls follow them oh, out. Chicks all follow them out. <laughs> and Hopper's talking about, I'd like to give you a ride. Yeah. <laughs> just like. It's just like Hopper. Short little hippie just bouncing around, man. On his bike. So happy. On his bike. Yeah. Um, but they leave, and they start making their way down, and um, they get to, uh, I guess, the area of Louisiana now, and they go to... Uh, it comes back to haunt them. These guys that they met in the cafe uh, ends up being an ultimate demise. Yeah, right. You know, right. for one of the characters. Right. And the others later on. But I didn't really foresee that. I, I thought they would run was into that, some confrontation. Were they the same character, the same guys? Uh, the ones that took out Jack Nicholson's character are the same okay, guys. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. That's right. And so... Um, as they as they move on, they're they're getting closer to Mardi Gras. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're kind of uh, they set up a, a fire campsite in the in the swamps mm-hmm. of Louisiana, right. and uh, they teach Jack Jack Nicholson's character how to smoke grass. This is yeah. So in the scene, they they've left the cafe and they go set up this campsite, and and then Peter Fonda's like, "This is marijuana," and then Jack Nicholson's like, "You mean the marijuana?" Well, and this he's is, like never tried it before, right? So he's and, like, and this is my favorite part of the movie, I think, because of how Jack Nicholson plays this. Because so Peter good. Fonda doesn't give a shit if he smokes it or not. He's like, here it is, you know, if you want it. And he's like, well, I can't do that. I can't do that unless you think I should. <laughs> and and the whole time Peter Fonda doesn't say a word. He just stares at him. And he's like, all right, give me, you know. And then and then he smokes it. And I just love because he, you know, he wanted to because he wants that lifestyle. And Peter Fonda doesn't give a shit. His Anybody else that would have played that character would have made it so unimportant. Mm-hmm. This is where Nicholson shines. We talked about this in the Shining right, podcast. Right. He's on the Mount Rushmore. He really is. Of actors. At, without a doubt. He's on the Mount Rushmore. Without a doubt. And when you watch this movie, you see it's solidified more. And you're right. He can make a scene that feels unimportant or it does it just doesn't carry a lot of weight. He can make it weighty. Yeah. He can bring some kind of depth to it. Mm-hmm. He ends up trying the grass, but he also starts talking about extraterrestrial life. Oh, my God. And this is, again, why this is my favorite scene in the whole movie. <laughs> He's convincing Billy and Wyatt that extraterrestrials <laughs> live among us. And the government's covering it up. This is way before the X-Files, man. This like is, This is like, it's insane. This is, I wonder where the, uh, this, ha- there had to have been some writing here. I think so. You know what I, I mean? mean? This this felt a little bit more scripted than some of the other scenes. But it's so funny. Oh, I love it. I love it. And what makes the movie hard, at this point, you, and you're right, you've felt a little sympathy now for mm-hmm. the characters <clears throat> because they've been mistreated. And really, they haven't mistreated anybody. Right. They're just free living people going about their way. They get to the cafe, they're mistreated. Now they're in the campsite talking about aliens smoking weed. Well, and I don't know, I don't know if you've partaken in in weed before, but uh, but in my previous life, 
I have, and I've had this exact conversation <laughs> with people sitting around, passing around a joint and talking, talking about, about aliens. Aliens. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's so relatable. It's not even funny. This is this movie's fifty years old, and every if you've done that, everyone can relate to that I, that concept, Absolutely. especially that kind of talk. Exactly, and then, and then I also like when they get into Jack Nicholson talking about freedom, and how he said um, most people are not free, but they'll, they'll step all over you to, to show you just how free they are if you bring it up. And I thought that kind of encompassed the whole movie. That's why I think this is the most important scene of the whole movie. Yeah. And it kind of just, that's when I kind of understood, oh, I think I get what they're trying to do with this now. Right. Yeah, the first 30 or 40, 50 minutes is a scramble. For sure. Where am I going? And matter of fact, up to this point that we're talking about now, in my notes, I was literally writing down keywords. (laughs) I wrote down drugs. (laughs) Hippies. Oh my god. Slow pacing. Uh-huh. On a journey? Where? Where? <laughs> <laughs> I wrote that in my notes. Headed to Mardi Gras. And then I get to the scene we're talking about. Oh wait, uh street motorcycle montages, popular music. Um and then I get to the next note cuz we're talking about this scene with Jack Nicholson and it says Jack Nicholson directional momentum shift. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Because as soon as he steps into at the jail, as soon as he steps in, the whole energy. We like Dennis Hopper. For I sure. get it, but for like sure. the whole concept and energy of the film shifts for yep. me, and then it's amplified during this discussion uh, while they're smoking weed yep. around the campfire in Louisiana, and it starts to like you're saying it gives a little insight into what they're really saying about the bigger picture. Yeah, uh, the big corp politics uh, you know um the man all that kind of stuff um aside from the alien talk and things like that but like he does dive into some things that are more on the button yeah of what they're trying to do with the movie as a whole and a lot of the time i don't like it when it's so on the nose but i think this movie really needed it but when you proceed it or when you uh forward it with weed and aliens yeah yeah that's a good point. Then you're you're okay to go on yeah, the more. I think it's okay. Yeah, you're treading other. You, you're okay to tread the other ground. Right. You know what I mean. And the the contrast of the scenes. T- there's then it becomes so abrupt because what ends up happening is they they fall asleep. Mm-hmm. Fires out. It shows a shot of the fire kind of fading out, and they're all asleep. And then the guys from the cafe show up, and they start beating the shit out of uh, Peter Fonda mm-hmm. and Jack Nicholson. And then all of a sudden they've beat Jack Nicholson so hard he's dead. Right. And you're like, whoa. And it just kind of came out of nowhere. Came out of nowhere. And and I'm like, for a character in the story, I'm going, wait, I don't want him dead. I, I felt really bad. Like it was, was like, it was really a bummer. Yeah. And I that was the point where I realized I actually kind of care about these people now. I did, but then what I <clears throat> the follow up to that is like it just moves on. Yeah, yeah, they just go. They, like they, they don't. They why steal his Billy money. don't care? They steal, they steal his, his, money. his money, and they they try and kind of pay lip service. He would have wanted us to do this, <laughs> <laughs> and that's why I'm like, oh my god, you got to be kidding me! And they go have a nice dinner. They have a nice dinner, <laughs> and they head to the brothel. Right, right. Like, and it's almost this guy's like we're doing it in his honor. Yeah, 
it's like, did you call the cops? What What did you? Well, they did put a, a the the sleeping bag or the blanket over him. Yeah, like okay. covered him up. Oh, that, that's very respectful. So of I'm him. glad yeah. they did yeah, that. Exactly. <laughs> while they took money out of his wallet. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I it, it was sad because you didn't want that character to die. Right. Right. And um, but I had a hard time with how they just moved on. But then once again, like we were talking about before, like death happens mm-hmm. and then life goes on. Yeah. You just go. And it's, a, it's, it's, it is in it. If you think about it, he's still kind of saying something there for sure. Even about people you care about, you know, this last year, not to get overly serious, but like my grandparents died and it's like, it's of course really sad. Mm-hmm. Both of them died, but then, and not that you don't love them and, and appreciate them, but like, it just kind of moves on. Well, I do you know what I mean? I like, know, yeah. My, life just kind of goes, and it doesn't stop because we care, and that's what I'm saying is that he does kind of showcase that in the way he puts it together, sure. which is like this guy that we kind of loved is now gone, but okay, we we didn't want him gone, but now life will continue forward, and it's and it has to, and it, it has, has to. to, but it's just kind of a we it it kind of plays into the realism of what happens when death occurs, for sure, for sure. Know? Uh, just in a very abrupt way, in a kind of a sad way, because that character's so great. I, yeah, I thought he was amazing, and I was actually really bummed that he was out of the out of the movie now. Yeah, I I did want to see more uh, uh, emotion out of them in some way. Right, right. But, but I didn't. I mean, but like we just said, I it just you just go, it, it, you just go. And, and first of all, I'm not sure Peter Peter Fonda. I mean, he's a good actor, but he's not going to show this the range. movie. I'm not sure he's going to be able to even be in any sort of capacity to, to show that kind of emotion. No. And Dennis Hopper, that just wasn't in the character. Peter Fonda. I think Peter Fonda's character would be more inclined to show. Definitely. The sensitivity. Definitely. But you're right. Dennis Hopper's character is not going to really, he's, he's the one that's grabbing the wallet and like, what are we he's doing like, next? Let's spend this cash. Yeah. 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 They end up at a brothel, the brothel, the brothel that he has shown them. And it's Karen Black. Yeah. Which is very str- I mean, I know her from House of a Thousand Corpses because I'm a horror fiend. You're, you're the fanatic. And she's very aged in that movie. And so to see her young, it was almost like seeing uh, in Play Misty for me, uh, Jessica Walter. Yeah. A- as a young, like, vixen. It, it you, was strange. Yeah. It was strange for me. Yeah. You like, feel wait. things. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, I'm wait a so minute. I'm so confused right now. Karen Black's not supposed to look this young. <laughs> exactly. I'm so confused. <laughs> Um, they, they go to this brothel and they enjoy a dinner on, I guess it's, I guess it's for, on his behalf. I don't know. <laughs> That's at least what they say. <laughs> <laughs> um, on his cat, on his dime too. Um, which is, it's just interesting cause they have a, a gas tank full of money. They're rich. Well, there is a scene later where they go, they kind of mention like it's gone. Oh really? Yeah. Okay. He says, we did it or something like that. Or I don't know. He said something like that. that. I, to me, Dennis Hopper keeps saying, we're rich. Like, w- this is it. We've, we've, this is our dream. Yeah. Yeah. I, I swear, I know later that there's a scene after. Peter Fonda says, we blew it. And we I wasn't blew, sure. That's what I meant. And that's, I, that's, I wasn't sure what sorry. the hell he meant right. when he said that. I, I, oh, see, I was thinking literally, which okay, for some maybe. reason was the money. But it may not be that. It may be something else. But nonetheless, they spend all his cash. And uh, they, this is where, once again, this is now where we revert back to what we talked about in the beginning about how they got the film made. Right. Which is like, it's this montage of Mardi Gras with hookers. And then they, (laughs) 
And and by the way, before they had just so everyone understands the story, before they had left the hippie commune, the hippie hitchhiker mm-hmm. gave Peter Fonda's character LSD. Yes. Uh, uh, a thing of LSD, right? And he said, <laughs> and he told him with directions, when the time is right. And man, the time is right. When the time is right, break it into pieces or quarters yeah. or something. So then it's this, they made it to Mardi Gras, they did it, and they're with the hookers at Mardi Gras, and they're just walking around, it's this montage at Mardi Gras, and then they end up at the cemetery outside of the mm-hmm. city, and it's got that old French yeah, New it's, Orleans, it's a cool cemetery. It's those old uh, New Orleans cemeteries, yeah. with the mausoleums the and mausoleums, all that stuff. mausoleums, yeah. exactly. It's a cool cemetery, but they end up there, and then the movie just goes into an acid trip. The, the, the funniest part, though, to me is when they're, they're giving the acid to the, to the girls, and they're like, what is it? And they're like, shut up and take it. Just shut up, just shut up and take yeah. it. It's like... And then he almost shoves it in her mouth and like kisses her and gives her a drink. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it just goes... And I actually kind of enjoyed the acid trip. I thought it was kind of fun. This is... Uh, it was... But this is, once again, where you need to meet the prerequisite for the film. Yeah, oh, for sure, for sure. Because then you really enjoy the acid yeah, trip. I'm scene. sure, I'm sure. I actually... But from an editorial standpoint and just an editing standpoint from the sense of how the images are placed and... Mm-hmm. The, it's a cool artsy little scene. Yeah. You know, and it definitely embodies, I've never done acid, but I, I can imagine it embodies it pretty well For in sure. how they portrayed in the film. Yeah. I've never done acid either, but I, I've heard stories of people having bad trips and the one girl's starting to have a bad trip. It's a, and it's exactly they how all I envision are. it. Yeah. They're they, all having, well, they all do trip. at some point, but you can, you can see it building because, uh, and from what I understand, I could be way off on this, but if one person starts going south, then it's going to drag the whole crew down. It's a domino effect. And it kind of feels like that's kind of how it happened. And it's just intercutting it, between the mausoleums oh and in the cemetery. God. And then, like, there's quick cuts of, like, a naked girl or her, like, she's everyone's stripping their clothes off because yeah. they're like, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> and then Peter Fonda is cuddled up against a Virgin Mary and, yep. like, kissing her and, like, telling her. Like, it's just the... It's crazy. It's insane. It is it's a, insane. It's a wild ride. And then you see a lot of religious symbolism too. Yeah, because the the voiceover is uh, there's some scripture in there and mm-hmm. some other things that are some biblical scripture and things like that. But it's a fun. It's crazy. Yeah. It's a wild scene. Yeah. Um, and it went that, on a little too long, but it wasn't. It was it, a little it long. It didn't drag though. It wasn't at the point where it's like, okay, I get the point. But what part of the film isn't a little long? <laughs> That's a very good point. Very good point. And he wanted four and a half hours. <laughs> yeah. God, can you imagine? Oh, man. Imagine how much fun he had cutting this part. Just, oh, he loved it. Oh, you know he loved it. And and even if you look at the credits, something I found interesting, I don't know the backstory to this, but I noticed in the pre-roll at the beginning of the film, there's no editor. It says editorial consultant. That's right. It did, which is bizarre. And as an editor, as editors, I'm like, wait. Where's that credit? At, yeah, bitch? exactly. Exactly. Come on, man. So I wonder if, because we love Dennis Hopper, <laughs> but I wonder if he was like, I'm cutting this damn film. Yeah. You know what I mean? Maybe the consultant's just the one who made him trim it down to an hour and a half. Exactly. <laughs> so I don't know, right. but I thought that was strange. But the scene's fun. Yeah. Uh, and then it, but then once again, it it's this weird thing where it's all segmented and then all of a sudden it just stops. Yeah. And they're, done. they're it's over. And you're like, what? And then the two of them are by a campfire again, talking. Yep. They're talking about We Blue, and there's a conversation there. 
and um, they're talking about we did it and all this stuff and I wonder if there's some actual tie-ins to the, oh, I don't know when that scene was filmed during production right but I wonder if that was like towards the end it kind of feels like it it kind of feels like because he's like we did it <laughs> <laughs> and he, well he's just like we're rich we're rich you know and it, it seems like this is this is what you do in life like you you earn a lot of money and you go enjoy it and then now you're happy forever and and, and as a side note they are rich they are they made this film for $400,000. And it made like, what, 60? $60 million. It's insane. So they are rich. Yeah, they're rich. But it's almost like uh, a window into their real life. We did it. We did it. We just made a film. Yeah. We're rich. We're rich. We think we might be. And then they are. Yeah, and then they are. Uh, it's bizarre. The whole thing is just. It's like, what happened? And then it cuts again, and it's just another montage on the Yep. Uh, but this time it's kind of the southern. We started out at the beginning, the landscapes kind of got palm trees mm-hmm. and like, and then it's cutting down here, and now it's kind of the swamplands and the south and things like that. Yeah. And then it's just them riding on an open highway, you know, and and then, <laughs> and then as we get towards the end, we once again have the ignorance. We start to see uh, these two rednecks pull up on a. Not pull up Anna, but pull up in a truck, and you can see one of them tell the other, like, let's have some fun with this. He's like, let's give him a scare. Let's give him a scare. And he as pulls, he grabs the gun. As the he gun grabs rack. a shotgun. Yeah. And he pulls up next to Dennis Hopper's character, who's rolling on his bike. God, and Dennis he, Hopper's and just the man. It's the best, it's the the best thing ever. He pulls out. He's got a shotgun <laughs> aiming it at him. And all Dennis Hopper does is flips him he off. He gives him the bird. He gives him the bird. And it's just like, fuck yeah, man. And he doesn't even really look at him. No. He just like keeps yeah. driving and yeah. does this. Yeah. If someone pulled a gun on me, I would not be flipping him off. I'd probably be breaking and yes. like letting him go and trying to get away. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, he doesn't think any, anything's going to happen. And really for me as a viewer, I'm thinking, oh, he's just... That he's being, he's a he's a contrarian. He's telling these guys to go fuck themselves. See, I knew something was going to happen because I saw the runtime and how much was left. Yeah, I'm you like, knew okay. that it was nearing an end, something. except for not in Dennis Hopper's original version. Oh, really? Four and a half hours. Yeah. <laughs> this is only the midpoint. I cannot even imagine what's going on in that. He comes back from the de- anyway. Yeah, exactly. He gets shot. They 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 shoot him. They shoot him. They just blast him off his motorcycle, which to me seems. It, very extreme so extreme and it almost even for an ignorant redneck exactly you may not like him and you may want to give him a scare with your shotgun but i i it's it's it took it a little bit out of the realism and there wasn't a whole lot to begin with but it just went out the window because i think that's a little extreme so far out there but here's the thing i wonder what what's interesting about film at this time in the late 60s is you have a lot of <clears throat> artistic directors making films for little to no money mm-hmm. that's profiting on large amounts. So, and a lot of those films have endings that are quote unquote depressing. Yeah. They're sad. They don't end on the highest, most positive note. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I wonder if they were like, they did the ending of like, we did it, we're rich. And they followed it up with just kidding. Yeah. Yeah. Nope. You know what I mean? Yeah, like there's sure. a neg- there's a thing there because that was kind of a trend. Like those late, those films, you know, you look at something uh, as popular as like Bonnie and Clyde with Warren Beatty. Mm-hmm. Like it's about death. Oh, for sure. It's like we're, it's over. It doesn't end happily. Well, and, and if you are, again, to put yourself in the, the target audience for this movie, 
it's late 60s, you know, you, all the stuff we talked about. You know, people are tired of the government, they're tired of the war, they're tired of, they, they feel out of place. It probably feels hopeless. It probably feels like, you know, we're, we're going to, we want to start this revolution. We want to go have kip, hippie communes, but it's just, it's not, they're never going to let us do it. Right. Where they're just going to stop us. So they blast them. So they blast them. And you die. And Dennis you, Hopper flies off to the, the side, side of the road, road. and he's yeah. blasted up and Peter Fonda stops his bike, rips back, and he's like, Billy! Billy and he's yelling at him and Billy's dead. Yeah. On the side of the road. I think he's still breathing. He's dead. I don't think he's dead yet because I think uh because he says something. He does? He he, he like mumble. I don't know if he talks, but he mumbles something. And he's like, I'm gonna go get help. Because he grabs his jacket and lays it over him, like the shot the wound. Right, right. The the uh, Peter Fonder's character lays a jacket over the top of his chest wound. Okay. I think the I think it, the insinuation is that he's dead. Okay, but I could be wrong. But nonetheless, it's tragic. He's gone. The coolest character in the movie. Yeah. Well, Jack Nicholson's the two character, coolest characters the two, are, dead. are dead. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then Peter Fonda doesn't stick around. He jumps back on his bike and is like, "I'm going to go get him." That's what he says. Is that what he said? Yeah, he talks about going. Oh, I thought he said he was going to go get help. Okay. He, he says, I'm going to go get him. He's pissed that they shot his friend. And right. he starts. And then the guys in the truck, the rednecks in the truck are like, we should probably turn around. Well, and this is the part I didn't quite understand because it looked to me like the guy was trying to shoot his bike. Now, it was a cheap budget, so they didn't have, you know, they couldn't really show the you editing's what was wonky. Right. And the editing's really wonky. It looked to me like he was trying to shoot the bike but shot him. And then when he says, we better turn around, it almost felt like we better turn around and go help. That's kind of what I gathered. I, but when I first, the, the, when he said, we got to turn around, I thought they were going back for, to go, like, maybe we took it too far. That's what I thought, too. And that's why I think maybe it was an accident. Maybe they didn't mean to do it. Right. That's what I thought. Um, but Peter Fonda starts ripping down the road. They turn around, and then they just shoot him. It's... I mean, we talked about how Reservoir Dogs kind of had a bad ending. This ending didn't didn't sit right with me. It just it didn't just, feel right. Everyone, uh, Billy and Wyatt are dead <laughs> because his bike is Billy's laying over on the side, shot up with a chest wound yeah. from a shotgun. What we assume to be fatal, and then and then uh, Wyatt's over there. His bike's on fire. Well, and this was a great shot. The the bike is on fire and it's rolling off the road. And I thought that was a really yeah. well done shot. It's not it's it's like flying off the road. It is. And and it's got the American flag and it kind of, it's very symbolic actually. Yes. Uh, this and that's the uh, that's a good point cuz this throughout it has hints of symbolism. Yeah. It it is there. It's hard to follow everything, but this one's really evident and you're you're talking about that the Captain America, the mm -hmm. bike and the flag and the whole deal on fire flying away. Right. Yeah. Right. And basically why it's dead. And then it's this aerial pull away as it, it gets further and further mm -hmm. away from him. And, and it just ends. Roll credits. Roll those credits. <laughs> and that, that aerial flyaway shot was great too, I thought. It was a cool shot. Yeah. And it's one of these things where like you look at these films and it's like these endings are, are – pretty tragic yeah so <laughs> I, I just don't know what uh, to me it's just, and and podcast <laughs> yeah exa exactly that's like how that's, what, that's like what we would do right it, it just doesn't 
it doesn't really fit with the movie and it almost feels forced and the motivations behind the guys who killed him doesn't don't make any sense to me and there's just a lot about it that just doesn't sit right with me the only thing you can chalk it up to is ignorance yeah and then but that doesn't nothing justifies murder no but when you're talking about filmmaking like what's the real motivation for these guys right what's going on well like when the when the when the dudes beat jack nicholson to death I don't think they were trying to kill him. They were just trying to beat these guys up, which is not okay. But there was some motivation there, and you kind of – the motivation was seen in the diner. Like, you could see the animosity and the hatred that they felt for these guys. It's evident. With the guys in the truck, it didn't feel that way to me. It felt like, let's give them a scare. But there wasn't a lot of hatred there. So that's why I just don't understand – well, it came as a shock when they literally shot him. Right, right. So it, it, the ending is, it's tough to digest. And, and like, let, does it, it doesn't sit well. No. And I agree with you there. So, uh, and then roll credits. Um, so that's Easy Rider. <laughs> <laughs> There's a whole lot of nothing and then everyone died. <laughs> But like we said, it is there is um, elements of symbolism mm-hmm. kind of throughout the whole yeah, film. Yeah, for sure. Um, and like you mentioned, like, I guess the way I would sum it up would be is that it's a time capsule piece. I think that's a very good assessment of it. It's like if you were like, what's the late 60s like and what's the feeling of the youngsters or the people that are in there, the baby boomers at the time, mm-hmm. not, right? Right. What's their sentiment? about life and like things and stuff like that and war and all the things. Uh, it's kind of like if you wanted to feel and know what it was like to live in the 60s, the late sixties as a 20, 30 year old person, this would be the movie to watch. Cause that was kind of the essence of what it is. Well, and you also made a good point that you should, if you're going to watch it, you should be stoned. And let's face it. A Who lot wasn't of, stoned in exact, the 60s. Exactly. So that might explain, um, the uh, the mass amounts of money that they made, people getting high and going to the movie. I even told... And my, totally relating to it, man. My mom the other day, who's pretty straight-laced, I said, Mom, you grew up in the 60s. Don't tell me you didn't... Te- you didn't. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> she never responded. Of course. But in my head, I was like, you did. Oh, yeah, for sure. For <laughs> sure. Absolutely. It's a time capsule piece. Um, so let's get into a couple little a little details about the film. Um, I would say so. Budget of four hundred thousand. Um, written in uh, by Peter Fonda and by Dennis Hopper, directed by Dennis Hopper. Apparently, edited by Dennis Hopper because <laughs> he doesn't even give credits to his editor. He's all that. You get a consultant fee oh or a consultant credit. Oh my god! Um, it makes me laugh. He's just pissed that Terry Southern got a writer credit. <laughs> I already gave one undeserving T- credit. T- T- Terry Southern didn't write this fucking movie. Yeah, <laughs> write a fucking word. He just. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, we love Dennis. Hoffman. No, he's that amazing. much. We're that much. We are. Uh, we we can walk away. From. Yeah, yeah. Um, a couple things. Uh, let's look at uh, the um, the score. Some of the ratings. Um, uh, I'll start. I'll do a Robert Ebert one real quick. He gave it four out of four. Um, <clears throat> he, yeah, he liked it. <laughs> so, oh he, and in this one, he didn't retract. 
Oh, he, did, he didn't he did. retroactivate okay. his score. <laughs> um, IMDb's coming in at 7.3 out of 10. So for IMDb, that's a, a pretty a pretty good score. Yeah, that's good. Um, and then and you look at something like Rotten Tomatoes, we have uh, 88% from the critics. Okay. And 82% from the audience okay so that's where they're coming in at um alan where do you fall on a rating for this film give me a little summation and kind of where you're putting it well i am if it hasn't been evident to this point i'm in love with dennis hopper and every second he's on screen and he carried this movie until jack nicholson came in and then the two of them were just amazing yeah um that to me made up for all the story problem. If it was if 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 Dennis Hopper was not in this movie, if someone else had played that role, this is I mean I'm giving it a three or a four. Yeah, like, yeah, but, yeah. But Dennis Hopper, literally in my opinion, saved this movie. Uh, Jack Nicholson, obviously, I think he won Best Supporting Actor. For he this. did 1970 Best Supporting Actor. Very well deserved. Uh, he's the icing on the cake. I, I, to me, it's kicking it up to a six. And right. it's, it's solely on performances alone. And six out of ten what? Six out of ten doobies. <laughs> <laughs> Which is you might need six doobies yeah, to watch might, the film. You might need a full six to get a through it. A full six to get through. Uh, a couple quick trivia pieces. Easy. Some of them are, they're not even trivia, just some some statements. Easy Rider was made for the youth of the time. Duh. <laughs> <laughs> I had to start with that. What? <laughs> I never would have guessed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Now, here's an interesting one, though. The film's original ending involved Bill and Wyatt selling into the sunset. Okay. And um, instead of where they both violently perish mm-hmm. and are fatally killed, <laughs> the initial idea had to do with a couple of young guys who are fed up with the system. We, we get that, uh, that want to make up. Uh, 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 one big score and then they want to split. So they use money to buy a boat in Key West and sell into the sunset was the original notion. Um, This is what Terry Southern told creative screenwriting was that they had written an ending that they did another score, right? Another, another little to get money, bought a boat and went to Key West. Okay. That's pretty sweet. Do you like that? I do like that, actually. It's kind of poetic. Yeah, I do like that. I like that a lot, actually. Um, so instead of the incident with two American rednecks, um, that was ter- uh, Terry Southern's approach to ending the film. Okay. It would have made more sense to me. And then, uh, because of his hatred and intolerance, that was whatever. So then... Uh, to the surprise of Dennis Hopper, he says, you mean, <laughs> it, this is, I, I, I reversed that. I'm sorry. That was Dennis Hopper's uh, approach was that okay. they would do the score and then go to Key West. Okay. And then Terry Southern came in with, let's kill him. Let's. <laughs> God damn Terry Southern. And then Dennis Hopper says, this is a quote. You mean kill them both? Hey man, are you out of your gourd? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I just, oh God. He's just amazing. Because <laughs> I think the idea was like for a minute he wanted them to beat the system. Yeah. And that was the concept. Sure, and that would have made way more sense to me. 
that would have been a more hopeful movie for the youth of that day. It, it does, but then the follow-up, the story goes that, that then Terry, uh, mi- one minute later, Dennis Hopper goes, the the death's mandatory. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Just, I, can you imagine being in his head and just seeing what makes him tick? I like how he goes, you out of your gourd, and then the story goes, one minute later, he walks in the room and goes, the death's mandatory. Oh, my God. <laughs> Oh, rest in peace. Oh, we Just love Dennis Hopper. We've said treasure. that a hundred times yeah, already. Yeah, a national so. treasure. Um, it, it says here that it was one of the first films to kind of integrate found music. Um, so uh, whatever, take that or leave that. Dennis Hopper claimed Terry Southern's only contribution to the film was the title. Doesn't sound like <laughs> Which it. Which is the one we talked yeah, about. Yeah, it sounds like he, he pretty much wrote the ending too. Apparently, Rip Torn sued Hopper over Jack Nicholson's role because they had done some kind of agreement where Rip Torn was going to be that character. Okay. I could see it. It wouldn't be as good, but I could see it. Um, so that's interesting. Um, but did he sue him for that? Because I read that he sued him because Dennis Hopper <laughs> said that he pulled a knife on him, that Rip Torn pulled a knife on him, on, on Jay Leno or something. Yeah, it does say here, it does say... Hopper Hopper went on The Tonight Show in 1994 and recounted how Torn pulled a knife on Hopper during dinner, and then he, oh. that, as a result, he lost the gig. That's what Hopper's story was. And then he sued him for defamation. Then Torn said it was the other way around. Hopper pulled the knife <laughs> on him. <laughs> and it was supposedly a... <laughs> It was supposedly a butter knife. A butter knife. A butter knife. Of course he did. It says, Dennis jumped back and knocked Peter on the floor, and I said, there goes the job, Torn told the New York Times. Oh, my God. Torn sued Hopper for defamation. And And he won a million dollars. He won. Oh, my God. Dennis Hopper goes on The Tonight Show and tells Jay that Torn pulled a knife on him, when in reality, he pulled a knife on Torn. Oh, my God. What oh. the fuck is wrong with him? I love him so much. He's fantastic. Oh, my God. I love this. <laughs> it said Nicholson knew the movie would be a hit. Really? That's what he said. Mm. He told uh, in an interview, he said, <clears throat> um, I felt it would be a successful movie right then and there when they were filming because of my background with Roger Corman. Interesting. Because what the, Corman's renowned for doing B-movies at right. really low prices. Right. Budgets, I mean. And uh, selling them for making profit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know that my last motorcycle movie had done six to eight million from a budget of less than half. Interesting. I thought the moment for the I thought the moment for the biker film had come, especially if the genre was moved up one step away from exploitation towards some kind of literary quality. Hmm. So that was that was Nicholson's take on it. Um, Fonda tried to get <clears throat> Fonda tried to get Hopper fired before the movie was even written. I don't know that. What? That's what it. That's what it's saying. Wait, 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 wait. I, what? I'm not sure. Peter Fonda tried they, to get Dennis Hopper fired. This is the story I was telling you about. They gave Hopper like it was. Here it says twenty, but in the thing I saw with Hopper, it said mm-hmm. thirty thousand to do preliminary shooting in New Orleans. We talked about the Mardi mm-hmm. Gras shoot, and if they liked what they saw, they would give him more money to shoot the whole film. Hopper filmed the Nola scenes using the Bolex 16 millimeter, um, which gave the movie a psychedelic style, mm-hmm. right? 
And this is what Hopper said. Peter and Bill are recording me. And every time I turn around, they're filming me. And I'm not sure why, but I'm saying things like, we're going to win cans, man. (laughs) We're young. We're going to take our energy and our strength and we're going to take this thing all the way. Just trust me. I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm saying. Nobody shoot any film until I tell them to. Oh, my God. This man. That's what he said. This man. I I mean, we are all in. Oh, this is what we're talking. I was telling you about. I mean, we're all in open fights with one another all the time. It sounds like he was in fights with everyone. Yeah. It didn't sound like anyone else was fighting except for with him. One of the producers said that um, Hopper didn't care about any of the footage and told the guys uh, uh, he's going to win cans. And that sounds like a hell of an idea. We're, we're going to win. <laughs> oh, my God. And, and you know what's crazy? They won. 1969 Cannes <laughs> Film Festival. <laughs> Nominated Best New Director or mm. New Filmmaker. It's a different... It's, it's, and uh, the Palme d'Or, which is the biggest prize at Cannes. Damn. He was. He. Uh, it's. It's. It's that thing. He where it's predicted like, a win again. It's so crazy. It just might work. <laughs> he predicted. A, it, as a as a filmmaker, as an editor, as a filmmaker, and for me, as, who goes into something that we're gonna win cans, man? It doesn't. Does that even cross your periphery? No. You've never made a movie before. <laughs> He's never directed a film. I mean, he's acted in a lot of films, but he's never directed a film. And they're just sitting there smoking weed. Oh, my gosh. And coming up with his idea as they go. There's no screenplay. And, uh, he, and, he's, and he's calling, he's calling his shot. Call, he's calling his he shot. He Babe Ruth a movie. <laughs> it's you know how hard that is? That's harder than Babe Ruth hitting a home run. Yeah, oh, for sure. For sure. He Babe Ruth. Even he's back like, then. Uh, even back then. Yeah. It's crazy. Uh, we talked about the, we blew it, man. We blew it. It says that line was filmed after the movie wrapped. Oh my God. Doesn't surprise me. Oh my gosh. Um, here's an interesting one. Henry Fonda, right? Who's, uh, Peter Fonda's dad, famous actor, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he said he didn't understand the movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, really? It's not for you, man. <laughs> it's not for you, dad. <laughs> Come on, dad. Open your mind. <laughs> Something interesting for anybody who really does like the film, uh, you can pay to take the Easy Rider motorcycle tour. Ah, cool. If you have $7,000 and 15 days to spare, you can drive the tour. And probably a motorcycle. And a motorcycle. Yeah. Bring your own. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, And then last little tidbit here, which is fun. One of the Captain America motorcycles sold for $1.35 million. That's insane. That's insanity. That is insane. Uh, the, The last thing, and then I'll do a quick rating. Uh, interesting thing about the film, it's in AFI's top 100. It also in some, in the mid, mid two thousands was, um, inducted into the national hall of registry for films. So it's part of the for for, uh, history, cultural or aesthetic purposes. And I, I get that one because like you said, it's a time cap time capsule film. It's a time capsule yeah. film. Uh, so not entirely understanding it. Even my notes indicating just keywords, <laughs> symbolism uh environment presents a change in acceptance i don't we were talking about that uh as it grows Mm -hmm. as the environment changes the acceptance come becomes less and less tolerant yep um portrayal of violence 
existentialism, time capsule piece, momentum, I, shift with Jack. So anyway, my notes are very keywordy, bullet pointy, because I was trying to figure out what the hell's going on. Right. If you want to watch the film, get a dube. Definitely. Maybe a couple Heinekens. That's just what's mandatory. <laughs> mandatory. <laughs> you got to get in the right mindset. Throw it back, ones. smoke a dube. My rating, I'm going to go into this. Um, the more I talk about it, the more I like I it. I know. That's kind of how I found myself too. And so as we've been doing yeah. this podcast, I've been, and I didn't hate it. I didn't walk away from it maybe the same way. We, we, both of us, and you more than me, but look who's knocking at my door. We were like, eh. Yeah, I hated that movie. I hated it. But this, I didn't walk away hating it. Me I was neither. really confused. And, un, and and like you mentioned before, it's really about that era. And because we're not from that era, it's harder to relate to. For sure. But I think anybody who, we love Dennis Hopper as a conclusion. That's evident. Uh, R.I.P. Dennis Hopper. Also in August, Peter Fonda passed away. Yeah, this very year. recently. Very recently. So uh, R.I.P. to Peter Fonda as well. Um, uh, iconic film. I think in the sense of how it, plays into our culture and particularly that piece of that era in the mm-hmm. late 60s um so for a rating for me I, i'm gonna actually come in at a seven on the film seven out of ten um i'm gonna do seven out of ten leatherhead football helmets. i like that i like that <laughs> and uh that's good rating that's a good rating yeah but it's also because i love the fact that after i watch a movie um, there's this kind of discussion right. that we can have and we can both get excited and laugh about when you were, when you, when you when just was, finished it. So when I was just finishing it for this, I watched it twice and I had watched it maybe over a decade ago mm-hmm. and I thought I'm going to, I would have probably given it to be honest, like a five and a half out of like 5.5. Right. Sure. I literally bumped it up that much because I started reflecting on it in our conversation. Well, it's, it's a lot more fun to talk about than it is to watch. Unless you're high. Unless you're high. And Unless that's the key high. here, people. So exactly. when you go watch Easy Rider, take a, take a hit, get your Snoop Dogg on. Yeah. Um, this is the Tame Aperture Podcast. You can check us out at www.tameaperture.com, streaming on all uh, platforms, Spotify, Google Play, and iTunes. We're also on YouTube. Go subscribe. And uh, next week, we're going to jump into it and talk about the directorial debut of uh, Spike Jones uh, being John Malkovich. Uh, so stay tuned for that. Maybe watch it. And uh, this is the Tame Aperture Podcast signing out. The Tame Aperture Podcast is produced by Dutch Angle Pictures in association with Studio B Productions. Listen, watch, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and YouTube.